You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Hi, my name is Janet Willis. Information about our future home, New Jerusalem, is scattered all over the Bible. But did God tell us what it looks like? Surprisingly, many of these scriptures give us clues as to its overall shape. The Apostle John said, The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as a width. And John goes on to say, Its length and width and height are equal. That's Revelation 21.16. Since John gives three equal dimensions, the length, the width, and the height, many have assumed that the city is a cube, similar to the interior shape of the Holy of Holies. In my previous podcast, I showed extensive evidence that God's city is pyramid-shaped, in other words, in the shape of a mountain. To briefly review, The twelve foundations allow for this shape since they could be decreasing in width for each level. I showed how other scriptures give hints of the triangular shape. God's heavenly stories, or steps, like in Amos 9.6, imply that New Jerusalem is shaped like a stepped pyramid. But most important, I read examples of how, throughout the whole Bible, God's dwelling place is often called the Holy Mountain of God. Isaiah points to this when he says, Now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established on the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. That's chapter 2, verse 2. It sounds like Isaiah is saying there will be a mountain on top of a mountain. But the Hebrew word translated mountain can mean a hill, a plateau, or a mountain. As we carefully compare Scripture with Scripture, a coherent picture becomes evident. A mountain-like structure will be on top of a plateau. It's Ezekiel's vision of the future in chapters 40 to 48 that brings clarity to this. In chapter 40, Ezekiel says, In the visions of God he brought me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. And on it to the south there was a structure like a city. That's verse 2. The full context of Ezekiel's last nine chapters show us that the very high mountain that God set him down on is a plateau. Ezekiel calls it the holy allotment. Then at the end of his book, in chapter 48, he gives details of this structure like a city that's on the south end of the plateau. When compared to other related scriptures, these details help us understand that Ezekiel's structure is in the shape of a mountain. For example, in the book of Exodus, Moses described the layout around Mount Sinai, and we saw how it correlates with Ezekiel's full layout. Comparing these two sites, we saw five parallels, the restricted access to the mountain and the locations of the following, the priests' houses, the tabernacle, corresponding to Ezekiel's temple, the cloud and fire at the pinnacle of the mountain, and at that pinnacle, the presence of God. Then we looked at how Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 29, made a critical connection. Mount Sinai itself is put forth as a type 
of God's home, New Jerusalem. All these puzzle pieces fit together. Passages from Exodus, Ezekiel, and Hebrews all lead us to the conclusion that in the future, there will be, in a sense, a mountain on top of a mountain, just like Isaiah said. New Jerusalem will be a mountain-like, pyramid-shaped structure on top of a plateau. Ezekiel's words were precise. The Holy Spirit guided him to say just what we needed to hear. Ezekiel said he saw a structure like a city. The word structure indicates it's a unified whole, but he adds, like a city. In the New Testament, Jesus reinforces this concept of a structure like a city that was revealed to Ezekiel. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. That's John 14, verse 2. The Lord communicated the same concept. The Father's house is a single structure. The many dwelling places within it means it functions like a city. Mapping out all that Ezekiel reveals about the holy allotment also showed us there are two distinct places. God told Ezekiel, I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. That's chapter 37, verses 26 and 27. There's no temple in the structure like a city. It's separate from the huge mountain-like structure. That concurs with what John says in Revelation, that there was no temple in the city. That's 21 verse 22. Ezekiel's future temple will be a place where mortals can worship. The mountain-like structure will be God's city where immortals will have their home base. So what connects Ezekiel's city with John's city? Ezekiel says the city he saw had three gates on each side named for the twelve tribes of Israel. In fact, Nine characteristics of Ezekiel's city harmonize with John's city. In the introductory notes to this podcast, I reposted the link to my chart showing this. Ezekiel concludes his book saying, The name of the city from that day will be, The Lord is there. That's 48 verse 35. Thus, evidence from all over the Bible indicates that New Jerusalem is likely a pyramid-shaped, self-contained structure in heaven that will someday come to earth. Now, understandably, questions arise. One interesting question is, if this will be the paradise that will be regained, could this be the actual paradise that was lost? Scholars have long speculated that in the beginning, God's holy mountain was on earth. Ezekiel hints at this, giving us a glimpse into the past. The following passages reveal that Satan once had a privileged position on the holy mountain of God. He was cast down from that mountain because sin was found in him. Ezekiel reveals that God said, You were in Eden, the garden of God. You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you, and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God. I cast you to the ground. That's 28 verse 13 to 17. 
These verses indicate that the location of Eden was on that holy mountain. In addition, the fact that four rivers had their source in Eden implies that it was elevated. After the fall, we're not told that God moved Eden to another place, but that he put cherubim at the entrance to prevent Adam and Eve from eating from the tree of life. If God didn't remove his holy mountain up into another realm right away, then ancient peoples of the world would have had some knowledge of what at least the exterior of God's home looked like. God's holy mountain then would have been removed before the worldwide flood. Interestingly, the first thing people did when they began to repopulate the earth after the flood was build a city with a tower. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach unto heaven. That's Genesis 11.4. The Tower of Babel would likely have been similar in structure to God's original. In other words, it would function as an imitation of God's holy mountain. We can't be sure from Scripture whether the structure of God's city was visible to the antediluvian world, but a vast amount of archaeological evidence around the world confirms that ancient civilizations connected belief in an afterlife with a mountain-like shape. All over the earth, ancient people groups built pyramids. Besides the famous pyramids in Egypt, these structures are found in Greece, Mesopotamia, India, China, Mexico, and areas of North America. Many of these civilizations had near-biblical creation and flood stories and sacrificial rites, and this was prior to the writing of the Old Testament. It's likely that these post-flood people groups had some knowledge of God's holy city that was passed on by word of mouth from Adam through Noah and his descendants. Maybe they were following Babel's example. The Zondervan Pictorial Encyclopedia of the Bible states, The most pronounced feature of Mesopotamian temple architecture was the ziggurat. The lavish expenditure of labor required for the erection of these artificial mountains and their centrality to the cult has caused a general scholarly agreement that the structures represent the mythological cosmic mountain. End quote. What ancient cultures wrote gives evidence of their beliefs. They tell us what they were thinking. From the book titled Ancient Near Eastern Thought in the Old Testament, John Walton writes, The best indication of the function of the ziggurats comes from the names that are given to them. For instance, the name of the ziggurat at Babylon means, quote, Temple of the Foundation of Heaven and Earth, unquote. One at Larsa means, quote, Temple that Links Heaven and Earth, unquote. Most significant is the name of the ziggurat at Sippur, quote, temple of the stairway to pure heaven, unquote. In the book Eyewitness Pyramid, James Putnam says, the word pharaoh means great house and originally referred to the palace rather than the king. He also states, the Arabs used to call the great pyramid the mountain of pharaoh. If we put these two definitions together, the pyramid structure could have been called the mountain of the great house. In studying ancient pyramids, we find other parallels. Many times a temple was in front of the pyramid, connected by a special roadway. The temple was there for common people to worship, while the pyramid was a house for a pharaoh that had hopes of immortality. One pyramid text says, 
Stand at the gates which bar the common people. The gatekeeper comes out to you. He grasps your hand, takes you into heaven, to your father Geb. He rejoices at your coming, gives you his hands. That's from the, the book Ancient Egypt by Oaks and Galen. Other structures surrounded the temple and were used as dwelling places for the priests. In fact, reconstructed models of the city of Babylon show the same configuration. All of this echoes Ezekiel's layout in the Holy Allotment. We know that Ezekiel was carried away as a captive to Babylon during the deportation of 597 B.C. Some might think that when he saw Babylon, he wrote his prophecy, copying what he saw. To the contrary, what he saw was more likely an imitation or copy of God's original. Thus, it was a picture of the past and a picture of the future. All these details and more are in my fully illustrated article titled, Why New Jerusalem is Shaped Like a Mountain. That's in the Biblical Prophecy magazine, published by Alan Kirshner's Eschatos Ministries. A link for that is in the podcast notes. Now we can step back and review reasons why New Jerusalem is most likely a mountain-like structure. Number one, throughout the Bible, God's abode is often referred to as a mountain. Number two, Ezekiel and then Jesus described a self-contained structure that was like a city. Number three, the layout around Mount Sinai was a type of the layout of Ezekiel's holy allotment. Number four, the very mountain of Sinai is put forth as a type of New Jerusalem. That's in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. In this podcast, we saw how Ezekiel in chapter 28 spoke of Eden as God's holy mountain. This indicates that the mountain-like city might have been in existence from the beginning of creation and was possibly visible to our antediluvian ancestors. Post-flood people groups all over the earth, obviously, had something that strongly motivated them to build massive man-made mountains. And their writings show that many thought of these structures as representing the dwelling place of their gods. All this evidence from both the Old and New Testament indicates that New Jerusalem is likely a mountain-shaped structure in heaven that will someday come to earth. We can now begin to imagine what this structure, like a city, might look like. What a marvelous picture God paints for us, a mountain-like New Jerusalem. In my next podcast, we'll see how one of the names of God gives a critical clue as to the shape of God's home, which someday for all of us who are believers will be our home. Till next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 